Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? Job Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? The offseason is here. Football, the actual games, no more. Luckily, we got a lot to talk about. Some thoughts on front offices, how they approach this offseason, some of the biggest storylines. Steve Sarkeesian gets about $80 million in a crazy contract uh, and, and kind of what he represents in Nick Saban's legacy. 
And then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Very, very easy to do. We will have a Middlecoff mailbag, a lot of them moving forward. And uh, other than that, the game plan is just a lot of podcasts. So buckle up, free agency, the draft. We'll just keep on rocking and rolling into the offseason and uh, try to keep you guys entertained because that's what uh, we're paid to do. And yeah, other than that, if you listen on Collins feed, make sure you subscribe to three and out. If you like to watch the YouTubes and the video version, we have it up on YouTube, John Middlecoff, its own feed. And yeah, we got some merch, three and out merch. So just go to the volume.com. But before we dive into football, I had a buddy on Saturday. He's like, I'm at Riviera where the PGA tournament was going down in Los Angeles. I'm like, how is it? He's like, it's extra awesome because I saved $20 using your promo code. I said, genius. That's because the official ticketing app of this podcast, Game Time, which if I had my smartphone near me, it's in the other room, I would show you. All you do is go to the App Store. You download an app called Game Time, and you search any event you want to go to. College, pro, you want to go to an NBA game, you want to go to the NCAA tournament, spring training, you name it, concerts, any act you want to see. Just type their name in or a venue where you near where you live or want to go and see who's playing. And it shows you the seats by the price points, and it also gives you the view. And you use the promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, for your first order, and you save $20. Cannot recommend them enough. I've been using them for well over a year now. I've seen everything from sporting events to concerts because I just type it in. My game time app, promo code John, first pair of tickets, save $20. The NFL offseason's here. Not going to lie, I already kind of miss football. Uh, th- there's nothing like the period of time where you're you know, breaking down the events of a Sunday, right? The coaching decisions, the players who are excelling, the guys who didn't have good weeks, where franchises are headed, franchises that are going the right way, the wrong way. You know, the the playoff implications as we got into October, November, December. Obviously, the playoffs, the magnitude of every snap uh, through the Super Bowl. It was, I really enjoyed the season. But that's over now. There is no, there will not be pads put on shoulders or not even that a lot of guys wear, wear them anymore on their legs. But there's no more padded football till early August. And let's face it, now that preseason because the majority of us are not going to go to training camp practices and watch team scrimmage. Most of these preseason games, while it's exciting because we've missed football, suck now because no one except like three coaches plays their guys. So we don't really have real football till early September. But I love this time of year. Because this time of year to me is the business of football. In the fall, it's actual football, right? It's the X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. It's everything that we just listed, the coaching, the schematics, the strategy, uh, the impact of kind of circumventing injuries, guys excelling that are young. That's all over now. And now is about why you pay your GM and your GM's cohesion with your salary cap guy. Because most GMs are not Howie Roseman and can't write a contract, right? Most guys depend on their money manager, right? Like all of us. I can't do my taxes. Have no fucking chance. Can't do it. That's why I pay a guy to do them. It's no different in the NFL. Most general managers 
are very, very dependent on their capologist, which in 2024 has never been more important because the salary cap, which is about to be closer to 250 million than it is 200, is easy to manipulate. It's why when you see numbers of this team's over the cap or this team's, you know, right around, all that's irrelevant. Tell me what their actual number is when free agency kicks off. You can cut guys, you can restructure. It's a very, very fluid thing. And to me, this time of year, and let's face it, most of my life, GMs, like all the trades happen in basketball and baseball. There weren't that many trades in the NFL, especially when it came to big name guys. Well, you can throw that out the window with the amount of GMs, you know, hovering 50 years and below in age and their aggressive nature and their willingness to take chances. Now, part of everything that changed in the NFL was the influx of the amount of cash that's flowing in. For a long period of time, if I signed a player to a $20 million contract and I was still on the hook for paying him, I would not cut him. Why? These teams were not flush with cash. The amount of money these teams have now, $20, $30, $40 million that's already been paid if you don't like the guy, get rid of him. It's why Russell Wilson is not going to be on the Denver Broncos. That ownership has so much money, they don't even care. Their coach wants to move, they're going to move. I don't care what Sean Payton said at the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson's not going to be on their team any longer. But to me, that's made for a much more eventful offseason. Now, the one thing that sucks in football, unlike those other two sports, in basketball, if Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or LeBron James is a free agent, he's truly a free agent. Aaron Judge a couple years ago, Shohei Otani, when they're free agents, they can truly play the market. That's not the way the National Football League works. I saw Schefter put out the list. There are a lot of really good players who are free agents. They can be franchise tag, which I've always said, while it sucks for the individual, you're still compensated at a high level, one, and two, it benefits us, the fans, who bring all this money. Without us, this league doesn't exist. It would just be a lot of guys tackling people for free. So, and one thing the NFL has that these other sports do not have is cohesion. If you want to keep a player, you get to keep him for a long period of time. It's why, like, I've said it forever in these other sports, the same players were on the same teams for a long period of time, and they really benefited. Now, only the NFL truly has that, right? If I don't want to lose a guy, I'm not going to lose him. Even if the contract becomes, you know, hard to negotiate, which I, I don't blame any player and any agent for trying to get more money. Welcome to the real world. You, you don't deserve anything. You're worth what you negotiate. So when you look at this upcoming free agency, it's all about dynamic GMs. It's all about dynamic front offices. And one thing that's been very clear over the last half decade is aggressive wins. And Belichick has shown this for a long period of time. You can't worry about what the fans might see. Because I would say the majority of headlines have been like, oh, you can't, you can't trade Tyreek Hill. You can't. They won two Super Bowls since. You can't trade DeForest Buckner. Niners have been to three conference championships and a Super Bowl since. The hardest part about this time of year, and the most important part, is evaluating your own team. Right? Obviously, there are certain players that it's pretty clear what they are and how much they're worth. The majority of guys are not. And the majority of guys are, is this guy going to maintain this level of play? Is he going to start to slip the other way? Do we have a younger guy on our roster? who can take his spot? Do we have a guy who is good enough to win at the highest level? 
Is this guy that we drafted in the second round last year going to take a step? Or did maybe we miss? Or do we maybe we need to bring in a guy to mitigate the risk of if he's actually not any good? Some guys pop early on in their careers, you know, right away. Some guys take a little while. No one knew Devontae Adams, beside us Fresno State guys, was going to be a stud the first year and a half. It was pretty ugly. Some guys show up, Jamar Chase, and it's obvious from day one. Well, I guess not day one. He dropped some balls in August, but you know what I mean. And the, the front office, the cohesion between a general manager and their coaching staff is the strength of your team. And having everybody on the right page this time, or on the same page this time of year, is a must. And look at the NFL. Look how many teams, what, seven, eight teams, have brand new coaches, have a brand new guy as their head coach, which essentially means you have all new assistant coaches. Maybe there's a holdover or two, but the majority of the guys on that staff are new. And then there's a ton of returning coaches that have either a new offensive or new defensive coordinator. Well, that can mean scheme changes. That can mean guys that were excelling on your team before are not going to be a fit. Going to be guys on your team before that didn't play much, actually might fit now. And beside the Niners and the Chiefs, a lot of teams have had several weeks, some even a month and a half, to kind of figure this out. Because I'll promise you this, by the time that you go to Indianapolis, you better have your own team evaluated. That means your GM and your coordinators and obviously your head coach, everyone's on the same page with what you have on your roster. Now, just because a guy is on your roster last year, doesn't what's his contract status? Is he a free agent? Do we need to franchise him? What are we willing to pay him? Are we willing to franchise him? Because if you franchise him, all that money is on your books. Do we want to extend this guy? Right? What about a guy on our team? Now we have either a brand new coaching staff or a new coordinator that's not going to fit that we have liked before, but this guy no longer fits our scheme. Well, we got to start shopping him. What can we get? Can we make him fit? Or is there no chance he's not going to fit this scheme and we can't afford to pay a guy $10 million that doesn't fit the scheme? So to me, evaluating your own team and anyone worth their salt always says this is the number one key. Because if you cannot do that, and listen, you're going to let some young guys go. It's part of the deal. There's an element of luck. But your key core guys or who you want as your key core guys and who you're willing to pay as your key core guys, you better get that right. Because if you don't, and then, like I said, you got to be willing to think big picture. How much your quarterback's making? How much your other star players? That impacts everybody. So can I sell a guy on my own team high? Look at the Chiefs. Now, obviously, he's a really valuable player because he's one of the greatest receivers we've ever seen. But the moment they realize, like, hey, listen, if we got to pick all these players, we'll see how this Chris Jones thing plays out. We still have him under contract. Let's trade Tyreek when we did. And it's not an easy thing to do. But they did it, and then they maximized the value, right? And then you look at players like Baker Mayfield. Well, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you go, we really like Baker Mayfield. We want to keep him on our team next year. But at what price? What is the uh, kind of the desire for his services around the league? Do we franchise him? Can we sign him to a three-year $60 million deal and guarantee 40 of it? Or is that a three-year $95 million deal? At what price point? Where are we willing to go? So before you even get to the combine and start talking these numbers, you have a pretty good idea of what you are willing to pay. Now, obviously that changes, right? That's not, you're not a lock to, like you're willing to adapt and you have to be around this time of year. But you have to know a guy's value. And that's why 
This turns into the stock market. Everything right now is about value. What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to trade for another player? What are you willing to give up a player on your team to another team for? And having an idea before you even attack the next couple weeks is a must. Now, there is going to be some information that you don't know. That next week at the Combine, which is the biggest NFL convention of the year, you start talking and you get things brought to you that weren't even available, right? Or, or you, you couldn't even have guessed would have been a possibility. I would imagine when the offseason started, you know, two years ago, that the uh, Miami Dolphins never envisioned Tyreek Hill being available. But things change, and you got to be willing to pounce. And you got to be willing to have your operation set up to know, is this worth it? Does this guy fit for what we're willing to give up? Because one thing we know is trades are going to be flying around. And big-name guys that you have not thought of are going to be on the move. That has been a consistent theme of the last couple of years. Think about some of the players that have been traded from just star quarterbacks to, I know he's not a star anymore, but when Russell Wilson was traded, that was insane. Aaron Rodgers was traded last year. A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, right? Jalen Ramsey last year. Players are on the move constantly. And depending on your contract, might limit the ability for other teams to be interested. Depending on some of the teams with cap room, might not be super close to winning. But this year, the Houston Texans have a lot of cap room. I would imagine they're going to be pretty aggressive. But maybe they won't because Casario learned from Belichick. And that's where I think you have to balance everything. And everything is determined now. The, the impact of a rookie contract kind of changes the game. You know, for a long period of time, before the new CBA in 2011, if you drafted a guy where C.J. Stroud was just drafted, his contract was enormous. You remember how big like Matt Stafford and Dominican Sue's contracts were? They were fucking huge. They were bigger than a lot of guys that were stars in the NFL already. So this time of year, evaluating your own team is a must. And when you evaluate your own team, you got to evaluate what you need, right? What is essential for your operation? And in basketball, the draft comes and then free agency comes. In football, free agency comes and then the draft comes, right? I think most people, if you're a diehard fan of a given team, you have a pretty good idea of what your team needs. But there are going to be some operations that you go, why didn't we sign a corner? Well, maybe they like their two young corners. They didn't play that much that they invested picks in the last couple of years. And back to evaluating your own team. Maybe they misevaluate those guys and they're not good enough next year and you find yourself in a hole. The other thing you have to factor in is salary cap space, how much guys go for. Remember a couple of years ago, J.C. Jackson went for like $45 million guaranteed. So some teams might be very interested in corners, but certain guys price themselves out as the market goes. Here's the other thing. I remember talking to a guy who told me he had this crazy negotiation. This was like six, seven years ago. And his coach really wanted the player. And basically at the time told him, no matter what, get this player. And he's like, this isn't, wasn't some quote-unquote star, but this was a guy given, I think it was a little under $15 million guaranteed. At first, the number started at like five or six, and he felt pretty good. The guy, then a couple other teams got involved, and the number ended up closer to $14 million. He's like, not in a million years would I have done this deal, but like I got the, you know, from the decision maker, make sure we get this guy on our team. And ultimately, the guy ended up not playing. It turned out not to really matter. But at the time, whoever the decision maker is, and this is why so many bad deals happen, especially when coaches get involved, is because I got to have that guy. And anyone that's good at business, especially a lot of GMs, they're not as emotionally tied, pull out. 
pull back. Coaches don't like to do that. Coaches feel, I have to have this guy for my defense or offense. And that's an element to really keep an eye on over the next couple weeks. I, I, I do think the understanding, though, of your personnel department and the scheme in going into the combine and free agency is a must. Because I think we see so many poor signings because the coaching staff and the front office is not on the same page. And the one thing a coach can do once I sign a guy, well, a week or two in a training camp, if that guy doesn't like that player, it's not going to work. And that's why historically, beside the can't-miss guys, like if Deion Sanders is a free agent or Reggie White's a free agent, but a lot of guys, it's a coin flip. Free agency is not an easy proposition, especially when you have to acknowledge to buy a good free agent. I don't care what position you are, but especially corners, D-linemen, offensive tackles, you're paying 130, 140 cents on the dollar. Look last year. Sean Payton needed an offensive tackle. I got to have a right tackle. He gave Mike McGlinchey $55 million. Not a general manager in the NFL that would do that. Just wouldn't happen. But when a coach gets involved and gets to run the show, that's how deals like that happen. Mike McGlinchey, let's face it, probably $25, $30 million guaranteed guy. But in free agency, you already pay a premium on top of that. And then you pay up, I got to have this guy tax. And that's essentially what happens with a lot of these players. Is the coach gets involved, maybe even an owner gets involved, a got to have you tax. And free agency is not the cream of the crop. Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, obviously most quarterbacks are not involved in that market. So you're paying a premium on probably at best a B-plus player. At best, a lot of B-minus, C-plus level players who then you start paying as B-plus, A-minus players. So it's just, it's a crazy time of year, but it's, it's a fun time of year. And uh, it's when you really can add players to your team that, you know, especially if you're a good team, can change the trajectory of either your offense or your defense. And if we look at some of the biggest question marks coming into this kind of upcoming offseason, I think number one is easily the quarterbacks, right? Cousins is a free agent. And at the time when he was injured, he was playing the best football of his life. If that Kirk Cousins had finished the season and the Minnesota Vikings had gotten the playoffs, I, I think you're looking at, He's, he's not going to get a five- or six-year contract at 36 years old. But I think at minimum, you're talking three years, $40 million a year, $120-plus million, probably $100 million guaranteed. I don't know how I could pay the guy right now if, I, if I'm not the Minnesota Vikings. Because, one, he's an older player that had a major injury. And, two, he's not a very good athlete. So, like, Aaron Rodgers is never going to be the same. How Aaron Rodgers wasn't the same when the Jets got him. He could not move nearly as well as he did three or four years ago. He was not the same athlete. Well, Cousins isn't a good athlete. So now you get a guy that couldn't move that great in the first place coming off this major injury. And I think you have to separate the player that was, which was a really good player, especially relative to the rest of the NFL. But some of these teams that need quarterbacks, Atlanta, New England, I would be very hesitant to give him several years and a lot of money. I, I really would. That's why I think the betting market has, you know, the favorites to keep his services is Minnesota. But the thing I wonder with Minnesota is, like, they were ready to move off him last offseason. They tried to trade him to the San Francisco 49ers. He was readily available. 
And now you're getting a guy coming off an injury. Now, of course they would take him back at a cheap cost, especially well under what he was just making. But let's face it, the way free agency works, a couple teams get involved. His contract to me is the most fascinating thing of all free agency. It really is. Because of the position he plays, of the headline it will be, but is this guy full go week one? Does he even look remotely the same? I mean, early on in the season, is he 50% of what he was? I would be terrified. I don't care what the doctors tell me. You know, and that's, that's the other thing around this time of year. You can really like a player as a GM, whether it's a college guy or someone in, in free agency. But if they're coming off an injury, you're not a doctor. You know, most of these guys have no clue about any of this stuff. How could you? So when the doctor looks at you and goes, Drew Brees' shoulder is never going to be the same, what are you supposed to look at him and say, no, he's going to be fine? Or when someone in the college draft, like this is one of the best players in the draft. It's like the doctor looks at you. He's got a degenerate knee. No, he's going to be okay. We'll just, we'll just ice it and do extra rehab. No, it, it's very, very hard to overrule the doctor when it comes. It's one thing with a little thing. Right, you know, he's had some shoulder stiffness or whatever, and the doctor's like, "I don't really see anything." And you're like, "Let's risk it." It's another thing when a documented major injury happens, and you got a question like, "Is it worth it?" It's why you got to rely on the doctor. I mean, let's face it: most of these teams that live in major cities have the best surgeons that they're relying on for this information, not because these surgeons want to be involved with these teams. So when they give you the thumbs up or thumbs down, you kind of just got to roll with it when he gives you the thumbs down. And to me, his physical, and any team that obviously would sign him to a contract, the physical would be enormous. And even then, it's kind of taking educated guesses. And the other guy is clearly Justin Fields. And I have no clue what his market's going to be. I mean, I see some people like, you get a one, you're going to get a first-round pick for Justin Fields? If the Chicago Bears get a first-round pick for Justin Fields, Ryan Paul should pick Justin Fields up on his shoulders and carry him to that city. He is going into the fourth year of his rookie deal. I don't envision anyone that would pick up the fifth year of that rookie deal right now. So you're getting a guy essentially on a one-year contract who hasn't even remotely come close to proving that he can throw from within the pocket. You're basically just taking an athlete who's played a bunch and he makes a decent amount of money because he was a relatively high pick. Now, just because I don't think he's going to go for a first-round pick, that's not the way the world works. All it takes is two people interested in his services. And let's face it, teams get desperate when it comes to quarterbacks. If I had to guess right now, I would say a second-round pick. And honestly, if the Bears got a second-round pick for him, especially having the number one overall pick and the fleecing that they got of the Carolina Panthers, that, that they should be doing cartwheels. So that, that would be my educated guess as of February 18th on what Justin Fields gets traded for. But he's getting traded. Caleb Williams is going to be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I feel 99.9% sure on that one. Now, I guess they could like another guy in the draft, but what I do feel extremely confident, I'd put it at 100, is that Justin Fields is not going to be on the team. And then with both those quarterbacks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I read a headline today, there was an article in like the Pittsburgh Gazette that there's like arguments internally about Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett, who should be the starter. I have a rule. If you're arguing over who should be my starting quarterback for 2024, Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett, you probably need to get a new quarterback. 
it's probably time to bring another guy in. And I do wonder the two guys that we just named, Kirk Cousins, depending on his number, would that be of interest to them? And, you know, I, I do think when you look, they hired Arthur Smith. Who do you have a lot of success with in Tennessee? A mobile quarterback. Now, the one thing with Tannehill is Tannehill was a much better pocket passer than Justin Fields, but maybe Arthur Smith. I mean, part of hiring these guys and paying a coordinator like Arthur Smith a couple million dollars, guy's got a big ego. The guy believes in what he can do. And we can talk shit about his Atlanta experience. A coordinator, just because you're a good coordinator, I don't even judge your head coaching. Like, you look at how bad his offense was. Probably overwhelmed. Not a good head coach. But I've seen him be a coordinator, and he was really good. So if he is interested in Justin Fields, then the Pittsburgh Steelers should be interested in Justin Fields. And like I said, if your argument is Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph, probably time to get a new quarterback. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Toyo tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Toyo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. 
all proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. We mentioned this earlier, but big name players are going to get traded. The question is just who and when. It's going to happen all over the league. And the teams that are most likely to get rid of guys, especially like, damn, that guy got traded, are teams with new coaches. Now, I think the Raiders in New England are a little unique because the guys they hired were on the staff. So, like, when you look at the Raiders, Devontae Adams or Max Crosby, obviously, is not getting traded. When you look at the Patriots, you convince me. Now, their roster is not that great, especially with big-name guys. But, like, Mac Jones probably get traded for a bag of balls. Right? But think about all the other teams with outsider head coaches. Everyone's going to be on the table. That's just the way it works. And you won't know it. Like, it's impossible to guess. If you told me the Seattle Seahawks traded DK Metcalf for a first-round pick, you know, again, I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but when you get a new head coach with a new vision and new coaching staff, they bring in all these different ideas. And maybe philosophically, where they've learned, they don't view it the same. And everything's going to be on the table. This is just the way it works. So I think those are the teams. I remember being in the league when we'd go to the combine, you would target those teams to go who on their roster is of interest to us, especially a guy that doesn't feel like it's going to fit their scheme moving forward. And then you talk to him about trades. It's why it happens all the time when a new coach comes in that a quote-unquote big name from that team is no longer on that team. Now, it doesn't guarantee it. I wouldn't operate that way, but that's not the way the league works. So I would say you look around the league at some of the new coaches in the new spots, like I would say their players are going to be available. <laughs> you know, you would call, if you have interest in some guys in Seattle, like they're not trading Jackson, Smith, and Jigba or Witherspoon. But if you got some interest in some other guys, like give them a fucking buzz. <laughs> give them a call. Carolina, I don't know, you know, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, like, hey, you want these guys still? Because if you don't, we, we got some interest. You, you need some picks. You need to restart your operation. Atlanta. Like, you're going to keep all those offensive players, or you want to get rid of one to help out your defense or help out your line? Because, hey, we'd be interested in this guy. And then it gets back to, like, well, what are you willing to pay? Like, is Kyle Pitts on the table? Like, I'm not giving a first-round pick for him, but could I give a two and a three for the guy? And and maybe kind of strike oil? The other thing that's big this time of year is extensions is, you know, the fourth-year guys. So you have your first-round picks, right? Trevor Lawrence is not going to get an extension this offseason doesn't make any sense, especially at the price points and which quarterbacks are signing for him or the Jacks. It makes most sense for everybody. Let's just play out this year, his fourth year, and see where we're at at the end of the season. But there are a lot of guys in that draft class who are going to want to get paid and who I would imagine if they don't get paid are going to either do a holdout or a hold in. And I think you can start right away with the Jamar Chases, the Jalen Waddles, the Patrick Chertains, the Devontae Smiths, and Micah Parsons. Those guys are going to want to get broken off. And this is where it gets complicated is like you can draw a hard line and go, we don't negotiate after the third year for any non-quarterback if you're on a first-round contract, right? Because we have the fifth-year option. Like that's what the 49ers told Brandon Ayuk this offseason. Nick Bosa did not sign his contract till after his fourth year. He did not get a contract after year three. So Brandon Ayuk, you just kind of have to wait. 
And I, I think that gets very complicated. You either have a hardline stance. Most people are kind of open-minded, willing to do whatever if it, in terms of what they're willing to do with their guy, when they're willing to do it. But the other thing is these guys that are not first-round picks, if you're a second-round pick to a seventh-round pick, you're eligible to be extended. Look at the Eagles last year. They extended Jalen Hurts after his third season. Now, do they regret that? Uh, would he have made less if they were ex- trying to extend him right now? We could argue that till we're blue in the face because I, I don't imagine he would want to take any less right now. He'd be like, well, I was a pro bowler again. Look at my stats. Even though it's like, well, he didn't quite look like what you look like, but this is where it gets very complicated. These agents are good. Everything's based on precedent. Everything's based on these previous contracts. That's where it's a lot like real estate, right? If, if every home in your cul-de-sac is of similar size and selling for a million dollars, you can't put your home on the market for $2 million and expect it to sell. Just like if you're trying to buy it, you can't expect to get that house for six hundred grand. Like the price is kind of established, give or take a little bit. And extending those guys... Listen, you either feel good about it or you don't. Like, you feel very good about Micah Parsons and Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase and Patrick Sertain. Like, these guys are high-end players. If you even have to hesitate, it's not worth it. But if that guy goes on to have a good season, Brandon Ayuk, like, well, now he's, you probably could have got him last year at $18, $19 million a year. He's probably thinking $24 million a year. So you got to decide, we going to pay him that much money? Would we be willing to trade him for a first-round pick and use that pick on a player? I, it, it just it, There are no right or wrong answers right now. You have to entertain every idea and kind of go from there. I love this time of year. It, it really is hard to beat. Uh, the transactions, the strategy behind, all, everything, right? From free agency to the draft. This is a marketplace, and everything has a dollar sign. Either how much I have to pay a player, how much draft capital I have to use to acquire a player. And the best people at playing the market are usually the best teams. And the teams that have no clue what they're doing are usually like, which is ironic because David Tepper is a great stock trader. Look at what he traded last year for Bryce Young. I think he'd like a redo on that bad boy. Steve Sarkeesian. Details of his contract came out. He has basically paid this upcoming year $10.3 million and through ten or excuse me, through 2030, that $10 million goes up hundred grand every year. So by 2030, he is making $10.9 million. He gets two cars, a private jet, game tickets, and a country club membership. Now that country club membership for you golfers, Austin Country Club is where the match play PGA Tour used to be. I, I Googled it yesterday, it has a 17-year wait list. Well, if you're the head coach of the University of Texas, you don't wait. <laughs> you, just, you just get the membership for free and you jump the fucking line. I think he's a good example, and I've been very, very hard on Sark. Who, listen, I've always acknowledged he's a good offensive coach. I just never viewed, I just looked at his resume. He, he wasn't a very successful coach till this season, where in this new world we live in, stuff has changed. NIL has a huge impact. When you're at a program that can afford to cut enormous checks, you should never suck. And you should compete for championships. And that's what I would imagine he'll do moving forward because his roster is going to be so good because of the NIL money behind the University of Texas. 
But here's the one thing that I will acknowledge that is cool. Listen, I've been fired before. I've had had no money before. Like, we all, anyone worth their salt goes through shitty times. And depending on the industry you're in, like some of you may never be fired. You change jobs, but you like, you hate it. Maybe you get a new boss. Maybe you are an entrepreneur. Maybe you've gone bankrupt. Maybe you went belly up during COVID. It sucks. But the worst times in your life professionally do not define you. I've always believed they actually make you. Because when things are going good, I don't care who you, unless you're like Nick Saban, most people are going to be a little happier. Most people are going to be a little more optimistic. It is hard to keep on moving forward in the lowest points in time in your life, personally or professionally. And Sark, a lot like Lane Kiffin, are two good examples. Now, they were saved by Nick Saban. And I think when you think of Saban's legacy, you think of all the championships, and rightfully so, the greatest college coach of all time. But I think in my adult life, he took the two most toxic assistant coaches. Lane Kiffin was fired on the tarmac and was a laughingstock. Sark was run out of USC because he was drunk at team meetings. Like, I, I just, it doesn't get any worse than those two guys. And he resurrected their careers. And he didn't resurrect their careers like, just got him back working again. In 2024, they make a combined $20 million. You could argue Sark in NIL might have the best job in all of college football. Ohio State, Georgia, I mean, USC, there would be some other guys. But you could easily make the argument, in this world that we live in in college football, it doesn't get any better than the University of Texas. Look at his fucking contract. So listen, when you go through the shitty times, like I said, I've been fired twice. It sucks. But like, you realize the next day, the sun comes up, people keep going to work, the world moves on. You do need help. And most of us need someone to extend a hand. You cannot do it yourself. And they were both very lucky. Now, they were both represented by Jimmy Sexton. But Nick, his willingness to open his doors, and he did it to countless people and change their careers. And when you think about like, one knock for Belichick isn't just that he couldn't win with Tom Brady. It's why did all of his assistants suck? Why were they all terrible? How's that fucking possible? They all suck? They all are just like run out of the building? Even a guy that actually wasn't a terrible coach, Brian Flores, hated Tua. Couldn't be, like, couldn't function with his offensive coaches. The stories in that building with that guy, it was like, Jesus. Now, he was, he's a really good defensive coach. So their team was credible, unlike Josh or Patricia. But like, why do you guys all try to act like this guy? Yet all these guys go to Saban. And in a weird way, because he's so crazy, but so is Bill, they like keep their own personal kind of flavor to it all, but kind of use his model of the structure. And then they go on to succeed. And I'm, I'm four second chances. Like, I, we all make mistakes. I've done a lot of stupid shit in my life. I'd say 95% of it, I wasn't caught. I didn't get in trouble. Easily could have. Throughout countless times in my youth. Look back like, like a lot of people. Like, how did I get away with that? Sometimes, if you're not mature enough to handle some of these situations, you go belly up. And that's what happened to Lane and Sark. And they were both disasters. And then Nick Saban changed their lives. And now they're easily like 
Lane Kiffin has turned Ole Miss into an SEC power. Sark is going to be one of the teams that everyone bets on to win the national championship next year. So, incredible story, but I I really think that's a feather in the cap of Nick Saban. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built... The boxes from scratch had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, 
You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's do the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those direct messages. This is from Brett. When you describe Andy Reid's work ethic, can you give us examples? I'm always curious about the habits that set greatness apart. One big advantage I think there is for certain people, I definitely don't fall into this category, is when you don't need a lot of sleep. Right? Like Tiger Woods and Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, were notorious for not needing a lot of sleep and still having energy and having the, you know, your brain pistons firing on all cylinders. Coach Reed, I feel like, could work on football for 18-plus hours a day. He just didn't need that much sleep. So he was just constantly, and this is why I always say, when you do what you like to do, it is so much easier to work longer. And the people that like what they like to do are just going to work longer on their craft than someone that doesn't. Just basic, like, the way we're, we're wired. So you get these football coaches who are addicted to football, and obviously Andy's more talented than most guys. Then he doesn't need much sleep. So he's not sleeping that much, and he's just constantly working on football. He's not like dicking around in the office during the game week, right? He's just constantly watching film, and they they just, I, I don't even know how much to describe beside that. It's like I sat next to him when he was doing this. I just know he was awake a lot. I never went to the office during the season when he wasn't there. It's impossible to beat him into the office. Doesn't happen. I've actually heard Spagnola's a lot like that. Right? The one thing I heard about Gruden is like Gruden did do the, you know, super early, whatever it was, four, four thirty, but he was also pooped out by like seven o'clock at night. And I've always heard this about Belichick. Like they're end up pooping out at seven o'clock at night. And, and I, I can't. I can't, if I'm getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning, like I'm not going to have a lot of energy by the time we get to 8, 9 o'clock. Some guys do. But by the end of Saban, like he was like a 7 to 9 guy. The Belichick, the Andy Reid, and I, listen, a lot of younger coaches are like this too, but it's their, it's their competitive stamina is elite. Their competitive stamina. And in football, that means constantly watching football. But not just watching it, like being able to understand what you're watching. So if you are super tired and not a guy that can't function on no sleep, it's kind of a waste of time. So it's, to me, it's a huge advantage for him. He just needs less sleep. That's the thing about football. It's like, if you're a coach, you're not digging ditches or whatever. You're just kind of sitting there with a clicker in your hand the majority of the season. Evaluating your team, evaluating the other team. In a dark room. At 6 in the morning or 8 o'clock at night. So when I talk about that, like work ethic just means the ability to watch tape nonstop. For the mailbag, thought on this list, a lot of people don't give credit where credit is due. So this list is 2024 head coaching higher grades. Harbaugh A, agreed. Dave Canales, B+. Raheem B, McDonald B, Antonio Pierce B-, Callahan B-, Mayo C+, Dan Quinn D+. This is of CBS Sports. How could Canales be a B plus? How's that possible? He's a lifetime position coach. That Pete Carroll never wouldn't make him a coordinator. 
And then he goes, he did have a really good year. One year, and you're giving him a B plus? I, I would just give like a passing grade, but it, how, how could you even give, you couldn't give a fail, but you couldn't give an a, a A or B. Uh, I, all the shit, who gives, I, I, I just don't care. I think that's why I like the podcast space. I don't have to do any of this stuff. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Mike McDonald a lot. He was arguably the best coordinator in the league who wasn't a head coach. Is he going to be a head coach? I got no freaking clue. He could be the next Pete Carroll or he could be the next Matt Patricia. Dan Quinn's better than a D plus. How could you have a guy who's been to a Super Bowl way below all these other guys? Raheem Morris, listen, he was a good hire. Like, everyone really likes him. Guy was running out of Tampa because he was parting with the players. Now, he was young. I, I think these, these exercises are so fucking dumb. At least with a player. I, I'm just trying to pick. Like, if the Chargers signed Saquon Barkley, you'd be like, God, probably going to make a lot of sense. Harbaugh likes to run the ball. He's a good fit. He's going to know him from the Big Ten. Like, I like that signing. Like, it's easy when a guy signs to know, like, I, I like that sign. It doesn't mean it's going to work out, but you, you have no clue with a coach. None. Mike Shanahan had won multiple Super Bowls, went to Washington. It was a disaster. I thought John Gruden was going to be pretty good. It was... Also, not great. So you just, these head coaching hire. remember Doug Peterson was the worst head coaching hire ever, beat Belichick in the Super Bowl. I, this is so stupid. These guys, I, I just, I don't play in that kind of world. So I, it's hard for me even to like have a comment. I, I, I just don't care. Like I, I, I think they're irrelevant. They just don't mean anything. Is there precedent for teams front-loading contracts? Often they push cap hits down the road, but what about the opposite? Joe Burrow's new contract doesn't really affect the cap until after 25. If the Bengals wanted to re-sign Higgins and have money available for Chase in future years, could they give Higgins a front-loaded contract? Not sure how this would work. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I, I think a lot of teams really value flexibility. So when you front-load a contract, like, let's say you put like $30 million on the books this upcoming year to give the majority of the contract. I think it limits your ability to be flexible as things arise. And that's why teams always like the backloaded flexibility. Because I can always keep kicking the can down the road. And you, you can't do that when you front load. So, technically, you 100% could. Right? Like, the Houston Texans could sign someone, you know, they got 80 plus million dollars in cap space. If they wanted to sign T. Higgins, if he, if he hit the market, you could give him $40 million this next year, right? And, and, and shorten the contract. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to talk it out loud. I don't know why teams don't do that. I, be at the Combine, maybe we'll talk to a GM and ask him. That's, that's a good question. Sort of an anecdote followed by a question. I went to high school in Southern California, played football for D1 Southern Section Football. We played Oaks Christian my junior year. They had Michael Pittman, Matt Corral, Colby Parkinson. Pittman had 500 total yards and five touchdowns. Somehow, my school won the game. I don't think that was all in one game. Or was it? I don't know. Maybe it was all in one game. If that's true, that's insane. The next year, we played modern day. And they had uh, St. Brown go for 200 plus yards and a couple scores. We lost by 40. What wide receiver body type archetype is your favorite to watch play? 
If there was a soul wondering, I had one catch for 29 yards in my varsity career. You know, it's funny when people say, I, I always find this like with people dating. Like, I have a type. I, I've never understood that. I have a type. Like, I just kind of like, like, I would be open to date anybody who I thought was attractive. Whether she's, you know, got brown hair, blonde hair, tall, short. I, I, I've never been one to have a type. I, I, I've never quite understood that. I, honestly, I never have. Like, I, I'd be open-minded to anything. I've dated people that look completely different than the other. And, like, no different with players. Like, I really, I love watching Debo Samuel play. Just like I love watching Devontae Adams play. They couldn't be any more opposite. I just like good players. I, I don't necessarily have, I, I would say, a, a favorite. I, I guess I, was, I would be more inclined to watch more physical players. That's a huge element of the sport, which I enjoy is the physical element, right? Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, DK, you know, can T.O. forever, break tackles, uh, run through guys, make shit happen after the catch. But I'm also a sucker for just an incredible route runner, right? Like, I loved Marvin Harrison. I I like Brandon Ayuk a lot. That's why Devontae Adams becomes such a great player. Now, he's kind of a combination because he's strong too. But, like, when you can just get open at ease against anybody. And then it's like, what the fuck's Tyreek Hill? Never seen anything like that. He's a great route runner, and he's got incredible speed, and he's strong. So, like I said, I'm open to whatever. It, honestly, don't really have a favorite. Currently listening to the February 14th broadcast. Romo did basically know what was up. The Chiefs didn't call a timeout toward the end of overtime one because they were going to let it run to the second overtime. The three timeouts were for the entirety of the next four overtime periods. I know Romo probably didn't know all the details, but he got it pretty much correct. It doesn't, there aren't four quarters left. It's not, it's not you're not going to have a scoreless game for four more quarters. It's a drive-by-drive game. Even on that first drive for the 49ers, like getting a score is pretty essential. So using the timeouts, everyone acknowledges Romo didn't really know the rules. Most people didn't. Let's be real. But to keep the timeouts for the second quarter, what are we talking? You can use a timeout in the playoff overtime. To me, strategically, whenever you want. It, you don't look at it like a game, right? You don't want to use a timeout in the third quarter of a regular game because you might need them in the fourth quarter, especially toward the end of the game. To me, in that playoff overtime, you are allowed to use a timeout whenever you want. Whenever You have three of them. It'd be one thing if you only have one. You have three timeouts. Three. For a game that, honestly, probably is just going to be a couple possessions. Total. Not even just two possessions for you. Like, total. So if you want to use a timeout, use the freaking timeout. The NFL season coming to an end, and with the disinterest we both share in the NBA, you know what's crazy? Is the majority of my life, I watched the dunk contest and the three-point contest. I, I didn't... I, I mean, I saw it a couple times last night in the guide. I, I went right by it. I have no clue who was even in the dunk contest. Because I know that more than likely nobody I've ever heard of. Talk about an event that used to be incredible that's now you can't pay a guy like me who's grown up on it to even click on it. Pretty crazy. I certainly hope you cover baseball because there are a few podcasts that do. That's not happening either. (laughs) 
Uh, and that has to do more. Just it's not a podcast sport. It, it really, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm, I like baseball. Uh, I covered a lot like the NBA, probably though. I, I'm not, or excuse, like I, I follow the NBA. Like I know what's going on. Just like I follow, I'll follow baseball. I'm not watching the games during the regular season. Tell me when the playoffs come, then I'll pay attention. But I'm not. We're not talking baseball on this podcast. And I, I'm fascinated by the Dodgers, the Yankees. Like I, I, I love the business behind it, but like. It's just not going to get covered here. And again, I don't cover sports, you know, or cover anything. I just talk about what I want to talk about. And baseball is just not something that I'm going to spend much time on. Beside, like, if someone hit 90 home runs, you know, something historic happens. Obviously, we might mention it, but. With Manfred declaring his absence at the end of the 29th season, what major changes, I mean, it's. I don't even, I honestly don't care. I said this forever when everyone pushed back against the runner at second in extra innings. And people were like, this is not fundamental part of the game. Like, who gives a shit? No one wants to watch an 18-inning game. Not a soul. I, I've seen the parks, you know, at 12 o'clock at night. It's, it's 90 people are there. So it's like, I, I think they made some of those smart moves, speed up the game. Try to get more action. Ban the shift. It's a lot of baseball talk. I have been a Colts fan since I was seven, which was way before Peyton Manning. I was very disappointed by the selection of Richardson because I have never seen a quarterback play 13 college games, be inaccurate, be a runner, and do well in the NFL. But here's my question. Why do so many assume that just because a quarterback is drafted high, he is a franchise quarterback? We take those guys like Richardson, Fields, and Darnold and anoint them franchise quarterbacks just because of the drafted position. I did a check one time looking at quarterbacks drafted in the first two rounds since 2010, and I believe came up with less than 20% end up being average. But everything I read is Richardson, it showed great promise, or he was the best player on the field. But then why don't they produce? I would think it should be the other way around. Don't expect much to be shocked if they become good. Again, No running quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl. Well, Steve Young did, but he was a passer by then. Quarterbacks don't usually get more accurate in the NFL. Josh Allen did. I hear what you're saying. I mean, what are they supposed to say? This guy sucks. He's never going to be anything. Like, what's the take supposed to be on Anthony Richardson? We'll see. Which, I guess, a lot of people have. But, that would be my take. We'll see. He, He definitely, physically, is a freak show. But he played in four or five games and ended up with a sling. So it's, it's a lot of unknown. To me, the cool thing, though, about the Richardson situation is how good your coach is. Like, what it, your coach has proven he can win with randoms. So if they can just get... I, I think that's a huge factor. Can he stay on the field, though? I mean, he took... Some of his injuries were like innocuous hits. The concussion, he barely got touched. The shoulder injury, it wasn't even a violent tackle. That's what would concern me before we even get into the plane. We have no clue. Can you play 17 straight games? Let's, let's do that first. If Anthony Richardson had played this whole season, are they in the playoffs? Probably not because of the ups and downs that he would have had. He was such a raw product. Like, Minshew is a better player right now, obviously. But for you guys to be a consistent winning franchise, like, he's got to be good. We're just solid. Like, you don't need him to be Josh Allen. Can he just be like a top 12 player? Like you said, running is not 
not really what you do in the playoffs. Got to pass. Got to pass to win. So I hear what you're saying. I think anyone smart would just have a we'll see. I don't think. Look at what he did and however many snaps he played, which wasn't much. I, I don't feel great one way or the other. I wouldn't say, like, I'm betting against him, and I, I wouldn't fucking throw my mortgage on the guy. I, I would say he's just an unknown. An unknown. With a lot more questions than answers, for sure. So, if anything, you would probably lean negative, because historically would show you a lot more questions than answers when you're an NFL player usually don't turn out to be stud players. And the number one thing you have to be able to do is get on the field. If you're not on the field, you're useless. Just a reality of the game. If you're injured all the time, you just, you're, you're useless. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's the bottom line of the industry. You've got to be able to stay on the field. And then from there, obviously improve. But usually talented guys, coachable guys, you know, the guys that love football, if they're on the field a lot, will improve, especially when you have the physical gifts. But to me, the biggest question with them is like, how many games has he played over the last like three years? Total of like 15 games, 18 games? The NFL season's 17 now. How many games the Colts play this year? They played 17 and, and uh, they make the playoffs? No, they lost in week 18. They played 17 games. I mean, has the guy played 17 games since like 2020? So I hear you. The volume. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts